It's a very different animal than having your own entity, having your own business. I used to think that I worked a lot at corporate, but owning your own business is a different thing. It changes your life completely. This concept of work balance doesn't really exist, and your personal life and your work life really kind of coincide. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Kelly Thornton. Today, you're going to learn what it takes to found a successful company coming from a corporate America background. Kelly was successful in corporate America for 20 years and left to start his men's skincare company, Tej Hanley, which he's now had for eight years, has grown rapidly. Today, we're learning what he brought to the table as a result of his career in corporate America, lessons that he learned that are relevant to what it takes to start a company from the ground up, and then also tough lessons that he learned as a business owner and entrepreneur, things that didn't quite go as expected that he had to learn and develop and grow along the way. As real estate investors, if you're out there doing your own deals, buying your own properties, you are a business owner and entrepreneur. That's why we talk with successful business owners and entrepreneurs to learn the skills that it took for them to learn and apply to their own businesses so that they could grow rapidly and not just buy themselves another job, right? We're here to build wealth, and that's why we talk with successful business owners. And that's what Kelly is going to share with you today. So much awesome knowledge. You're going to learn a ton. If you are a real estate investor, you are a business owner, period talk to and learn from successful business owners to grow your knowledge and grow your wealth. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor, and I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and I will look forward to speaking with you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. We really look forward to seeing you three times a week. That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. Just as a quick note, Kelly uses the acronym DTC quite a lot in this conversation. That means direct to consumer. His company is a direct to consumer men's skincare brand. So that is relevant to the conversation. Just FYI. You're going to learn so much about starting a company, what you can bring to the table if you've had a successful career and skills that you should not discount, and it's so much more. It's a great conversation. Let's go. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to go through your journey of getting out of corporate America after being successful in that world and starting your own business. For our listeners out there who aren't familiar with about with you and your background, can you tell us about our your current business, and then we'll rewind the clock to when you got into corporate America? Yeah, so I have a men's skincare company. We're all about trying to help men look and feel amazing with providing them simplified skincare systems. We're a seven-year-old business next month. I'm really excited about our seventh birth date, and we ship our product to men throughout the world. And in a few months, we'll have shipped our 2 millionth order. We're very excited about that. So it's all about helping men look and feel amazing by providing simplified skincare. And uh, your skin looks pretty good, to be honest with you. But, you know, I'm sure you're using T. Shanley. If not, we'll make sure that you are. And that's it. We're riding the wave of what it means to be a man today. 
I love that. And and my wife gets all the credit for that. She's gotten me into properly moisturizing and everything. So yeah, she gets awesome there and clean up my diet and stuff. But anyway, so naturally you didn't start there, right? You, as I mentioned, you spent a lot of uh, time, you had a successful career in corporate America. Let's rewind the clock. Tell us about what you did in the consumer packaged goods world, and then we'll cross over to starting the company and lessons and all that. Yeah. For people out there, I just did a post on LinkedIn last week about the differences between the corporate, working in the corporate environment and working in an entrepreneurial environment. I value tremendously the 20 years I spent in corporate, but it's a very different animal than, than having your own entity, having your own business. And I used to think that I worked a lot at corporate, but owning your own business is a different thing. It changes your life completely. This concept of work balance doesn't really exist. And you really just kind of your personal life and your work life really kind of coincide. So to answer your question, I worked, I was very fortunate. I worked for $30 billion company, International Paper, for the majority of my career. I learned a tremendous amount about business in general, from supply logistics to marketing to design to technology and sales. I kind of learned the whole thing. And I think that Taylor really helped me have an understanding for what it takes to put together a good business. Awesome. So I think we have this narrative going around because there have been many great examples in recent years of tech companies that made a ton of money and they were started by a couple of guys in a dorm room in college. So we have this narrative going around that if you want to be an entrepreneur, you better get started before you're like 22 or else you're just not going to be able to do it. Whereas you had had a, a successful career for, I think, was it 20 years before starting your company? Was there a, a time when you were considering starting the company where you had some misgivings about, hey, and I, I don't mean to put this on you, but given what I just said, are you, am I too old to get started in this space? As Have I missed yeah. that boat? Yeah. I mean, that, that's a crazy good question because I think about that all the time. I think right, entrepreneurship's a bit of a young man's game or young woman's game. And, um, and the reason why is because risk profile, right? As you get older and you have more responsibility, typically financial responsibility, then your appetite for risk starts to, to wane a bit. So that does weigh heavily on people's decisions to go into business. I knew from the first week of my career, which was in 1990, that I wanted to, I wanted to start, I had a painting business. I wanted to start another business. So I knew that was part of my DNA early on. It just took me a long time to get there. And then I really felt like I needed the right level of financial success to be able to weather years and years. And I'm very thankful because I had a career that allowed me to accumulate enough wealth to be able to support myself through good times and bad for 10 years. And more than that. So I think there's a lot of positives for people that take the path that I took. Not every path is right for everybody. I, if I had to do it all over again, I would probably have only spent half the amount of time in corporate or less. Okay. Interesting. So I would imagine that there are a lot of skills and just knowledge. And also there's maturity that you gain just kind of growing up in the corporate world. Could you go through, I'd like to, this is probably a big topic, but what yeah. you brought to the table as a business owner solely because of having spent so long in the corporate space. Then we'll talk pros and cons and everything, but specifically, what did you bring to the table having that all that experience in, under your belt? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so there's very, a lot of very specific things here. Here's what they are. There's a lot of, in, in big corporations, there's a lot of structure. There's a lot of processes. There's a lot of 
ways of doing things. And it's HR processes, HR review processes, how to deal with people that are struggling in their career and how do you help them improve their performance to financial, like financial reporting, expense reporting, all of these very disciplined things that happen in, in corporate, how people get promoted, structures of organizations. You learn a lot about that. And then the physical operations of, at, at corporations, the, this team does that, the purchasing does that, the packaging team does this, the art department, the brand teams do this. So you do get, I was in consumer product packaging, but no matter where you are in corporate, you learn all of these really good business operational things that you can bring to a smaller entity. The bad part about that is that small entities don't need as much structure. I mean, by definition, they're DTC companies, which we are, want to be disruptive. So we don't want to be encumbered by a lot of the things that the corporate America is encumbered by. But it does bring you really good operational skills, which is critical to being successful. Interesting. So I think one of the potential downsides of that, it sounds like you had avoided it, but one of the potential downsides is that you could come to the business ownership world and almost expect that structure to happen naturally rather than deliberately designing the structures and processes of your business. But it sounds like you kind of, you understood that and maybe went directly after building those aspects of your business. Yeah. I mean, I think like early days, it's hard to put a lot of structure because you don't want to put too many encumbrances in your business. So I think like early days, it's hard to have structure, but as you grow and scale and your business gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you have more people and more complexity, it really does help. It helps a lot. And then I think the other thing, I, I was just talking to someone in California who's on our product development team, and there's a, a young DTC company. They're young in terms of years, but also the owners are in their 20s. According to, to this gentleman who is a consultant for them, in his 40s, so he's had, he's had 20 some years in the business world. He says they're just making disastrous mistakes. And I mean, so I think there's trade-offs, right? And, and there's balances. And he says, keep on talking to them. As a, an example, they're, they've gotten into bricks and mortar with their products and they're not making any money. I mean, they're literally kind of negative cash flow on some of these orders, but they see these huge orders and they see scale and they see growth and they're really chasing that. And when he keeps on telling them, if we don't have the processes built to have a good company now while we're smaller, they're not going to come later when we scale the business and we get these $7 million purchasers. It's just you guys don't, he's telling them, it's, it's, it, you, we're not going to scale our way out of it. We're not going to be able to improve processes fast enough in our supply logistics and supply chain. And if we're losing money, we have no margin. It, this doesn't make any sense to me. So those are the things I think like you learn not only with experience, but you know, in the corporate world, there's a lot of structure that that stuff never happened. That, there's a lot of safeguards to present, to re prevent about that from happening. Yes, there are. There are a lot of people uh, in larger corporations looking at your pricing and your margins and you have accountants <laughs> right. and, and all those folks digging into it. Now, on the more difficult or, or painful side of that, it's probably pretty likely that you didn't know everything you needed to know when you started this venture. That's just natural, right? You're, we all Correct. learn things along the way or you learn or, or you die. So what are some tough lessons that you learned once you started the business? Yeah. I mean, we are by nature, we are a marketing company. We are a direct consumer, a digital marketing company that, you know, and we're a brand, the Tiege Hanley brand. I really knew nothing about digital marketing eight years ago when I started this business. I really had almost 
you know, no background at all in digital. I had no background in digital marketing. So as a matter of fact, like, you know, when I went to YouTube, I went there because my wife told me the dishwasher is broken. So I went to YouTube to like figure out how to fix the dishwasher, right? So the concept of like marketing a product on social channels, such as YouTube, which is a big channel for us, I had no idea. So it took me many years of, of really learning what being a digital marketing company is. I knew the brand and marketing side. I just didn't know the digital side. So early on, there was huge mistakes. And a lot of it had to do with not hiring the right people, thinking that people you were hiring knew a lot more than they pretended to know about subject matters and they weren't subject matter expertise. So early on, it was just a super difficult time. So not hiring the right people, can you drill into that a little bit more? I, you know, it's fine if you're not, you don't want to get too deep into it, but was there a particular lesson you had there where maybe you wanted to hire somebody that knew about PPC and they pretended to, but they really didn't or whatever? Um, yeah. It sounds like something specific happened there. Yeah, I, well, I mean, it happens all the time. Had happened many, many times for me. So I think like what you think of the right hiring decisions at the time based on where you are in your life of a business, and you, you hope you make the right decision. And most of the time, the person that you're hiring or the role that you're hiring is seemed like it was the right thing at the right time. But then when you look back, you realize that either the, the person wasn't right for the role or your motivation to hire that person was misaligned with what business really means. And so an example of that is you, you have a role to fill. You have, let's call it a supply logistics role. You hire someone that you think has a pretty close related fit. Let's say they kind of like a background in finance and things like this. And you think they're going to be good. So you just, you're just desperate. Your business is growing quickly. You bring someone in and a couple of years go by and you really don't realize how bad things are in, in, in that particular role. And you really are trying to dig underneath the hood. And then you realize that it's just, we outgrew this person like 12 months into the role or 24 months into the role. And we really hired the, was kind of the wrong role. So those things happen a lot. And especially if you don't have a high degree of expertise in digital marketing, I brought di digital marketing people in e-commerce and email directors of e-commerce that I didn't really understand their skill set, And it took me a long time to understand with the help of other people in the organization that they were just not the right fit at the time. So now we have really good people in the business. I've learned the hard way that are right for the business that can take us that are right at can be fined from $20 million to $50 million in that kind of growth mindset. So Awesome. So it can be tough to learn those lessons the hard way, right? It feels like, okay, I hired this person in my business and it didn't work out. And I feel like I lost a lot of money on this, this attempt. And this really applies to real estate investors where say someone might hire a property manager for the first time. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to vet that property manager. The property manager screws up, they lose money. And that person thinks, well, I'm never hiring another property manager again. I'm so scared. Yeah. That was just a, a folly, right? I'm going to just yeah. give this, myself another job here. Whereas you kept going back to the well, how do you avoid that, that feeling of, I lost on this effort, so I'm not going to try again with a, a marketing consultant or what have you. How do you take that lesson, apply it, and move forward? Yeah, well, I think my personal philosophy is that failure is absolutely critical. If you want to be a successful organization, you're going to fail. You need to learn from that and, and just get better. And if you can even get like 10 or 15 or 20% better with your next decision for that person, 
but you'll get there you'll if, and, and, and stick with it, right? And you fail because you hire a property manager, you're gun shy, but you learned a lot. And so now you, you bring someone else in for that position and maybe they perform at 20, 30% better. And then you're really starting to learn. And after, after a few tries, maybe you, you lose that guy or girl because you, you outgrow their skill set and, the, and, and their needs and, and their responsibilities grow and it gets bigger and bigger. Then you really hone in and you figure out, okay, well, this person works really well when I've got 50 to, to 100 units. This person and skill set works really well then, right? And then you just keep building on it and failing and building. And I think that is the skill. And hopefully you you have the, the financial strength in your organization to weather those downtimes. I mean, they can kill you. I mean, it can absolutely kill you if you have too many bad decisions with people in your organization. It could just put you under. Um, it, it can bury your company. So hopefully you can, you know, you can get through it. And then uh, lastly, I, I know you probably hear this all the time. You have to fire quickly. I mean, you just, you have to fire fast. If someone is not working in an organization, we do 30, 60, 90 day reviews. You need to get rid of them quickly. It's just, you, you, and, and look at it. This is how I look at it. If you got someone that's not right in the organization and you don't think we can get it to a place that they're right, you have a responsibility. You're hurting that person's career. You're hurting that person's career because they're just not in the right place. It doesn't matter whose fault it is, but they're not in the right place. And you have a responsibility to, to move that person out. If you don't think you can get them where they need to be, which, you sh- which should always be the first option, you have a responsibility to move them out of the organization as fast as you can so they can go on with their career and they can find a better fit for them and they can excel in what they do. So as far as bringing in ideas of things that you need to work on or areas where you can improve the organization... Where do you source or find those ideas? Are you a part of any kind of CEO groups? Is it reading books? Because there are, at any given time, probably 50 different dials that you could twist, but you can really only focus on a couple at a time. Where are you finding ideas to to work on and how are you staying focused on those? Well, for me personally, Taylor, I think you need to get out of your office every once in a while, right? So I having a great advisory board is one. We have a very strong advisory group. We have a strong board and we have strong advisors. Um, we have, I have a strong network of people that have different skill sets that I call on. So I think that's one thing. But getting out of your office every once in a while, whatever your workspace is, and networking, whether it's through organizations or I actually think like going to conferences is a good thing. It, a lot of people don't like to be pulled out of their offices. They say, I'm, I might, might not learn. I got to be away from the family three or four days, but you got to go, you got to go and see what you got to take your head up from your business and you, you got to go see what, what's happening in the marketplace and make sure you're dialed in. So I think those are important things. So when it comes to conferences specifically, can you think of any, any particular lesson that you took away from a conference and applied to your business? Because I think we've probably all had that situation where we went to conferences, got a lot of great ideas, got home, and then just got right back to what we were doing yeah. before. Yeah. So first off, I like to go to conferences that are highly focused, and I like to go to short conferences, like that are one to two day maximum, one strong day. And then I go with a mindset that I just want to learn one thing. Like I want to learn one thing that's actionable for my business. So if I can go to a conference learn one thing that's ash and and I try to go with like a purpose like here's an area of my business that I need I need work on so I want to go I want to go to to a conference kind of specifically around that to kind of solve a problem I want to learn something 
and then do a lot of research on it and, and see if I can take that, that nugget um, to fruition. An example of that is that I was, I'd really notice it, not just my competitors, but a lot of the DTC companies that are in kind of the growth phase that we're in are, we're going on TV, we're advertising on TV. And I was like thinking, how in the hell are people advertising on TV? Like what, you know, how is that even working? Like how do the economics of that work? Um, I went to a conference in LA in February and I did like, I spent hours and hours of deep dive on what exactly was going on and how that was fitting in as an acquisition channel and what the attribution to it was and how it was being tracked and used and how the finances and economics of it were. And we spent months and months working on it. We just, we launched some stuff on TV last Tuesday. And so we're on TV all month, this month. And we're really just trying to learn. This is this tech test and learn mentality, really trying to learn. So that's an example of like uh, something I was really interested in, went to look at. We're getting in a, in a, in a beta stage to really test stuff. And I, I think it's, you know, it's, I think it's critical to, to, to go and be stimulated like that in these conferences. I love it. So TV is an interesting, interesting choice. I would imagine your decision to push forward with that has to do with what well, you're seeing other folks doing it. So you want to investigate it, but it, does it have something to do with your like customer avatar? Like I would assume you did some of that kind of analysis. I'm just curious who is your oh, yeah. avatar? Yeah. I mean, we spent a lot of time understanding we, we, in DTC businesses, like understanding who your customer is, is so important. Like we understand, I mean, we don't know the color of the underwear that they wear, but <laughs> you know, we, we have like a really solid idea how old the guys are, their marital status, their education status, like where they spend their time, what type of music they listen to. We're pretty dialed into all that. So I think like we were able to communicate that very clearly to, to the platforms that we're using to, to get us into this kind of TV range and really through really strong evidence, data evidence, they could, they, they were able to communicate to us that they were, would it be able to help us dial into, to what our guys look like on TV? So, and they were very, they were able to really substantiate that, that philosophy that they could do it. And then we were able to validate that through other companies that are analogous to our company. They weren't necessarily selling skincare, but they were really focusing on men and really focusing. We were able to validate what they were saying. And so, with all that and their attribution model, um, it really made sense for us to give it a shot. Interesting. Okay. So it's relatively fresh. You did a lot of analysis on the front end, but it hasn't been that yep. long that you've been running it. At what point, whether you're going to continue with it and what would you look at to inform that decision? Yeah, we, this was, I, I mentioned to you, I apologize. I was just a couple minutes late. Our market, Monday marketing meeting ran over. We need to make a decision. So we're, we just started week two. We need to make a decision next week, whether or not we're going to continue in, in June. And so, and we're spending a lot of money, right? We're not, it's six figure plus investment. So it's not, it's not, it's not a little bit of money in my mind, right? Going, I think of it in terms of like how many college tuition bills can I pay? <laughs> that's a lot that? of dough. Yeah, that's tons. So, um, we need to decide next week. And there, we're really like most DTC people are like a kind of, crack addicts with data. And I mean that tongue in cheek, right? I mean, you, you spend a dollar today and you, you know, like next hour or like later on the afternoon, what, whether or not you got a dollar 25 back or whatever. So they, they basically the conceptually similar to that TV's taken us a little longer, like the pull through on the data has taken us, taken us, it's, there's like a three to four day lag time, which is just really got our marketing team like all bothered, but we hope to have enough data at the end of next week to really make a decision. 
Cool. Interesting. So that is a interesting shift from getting that quick feedback within potentially the same day to oh, yeah. a couple of weeks. And then also thinking about, I mean, it's, I think, great to hear that six figures is still relevant to you. It's still, you still understand the value of the dollar. Whereas I think sometimes folks tend to forget that. And, but how do you, with that knowledge, make that investment rather than go the cheap route and say that's several college tuitions just to go with that example? Yeah. So we're a self-funded company. We believe in making money and being profitable. And so I think like and if anybody that's listening, your audience, you, you, when you hear about DTC companies, you hear about these crazy numbers, like someone just raised 20 million and 10 million and 5 million and all this stuff, kind of like the company I was describing to you earlier. We really want to make money and be very capital efficient. So spending $100,000 is a big deal for us on any given specific channel. That's a really big deal for us. So what we do is we plan like kind of, t we have a, a testing budget. It's built into our monthly marketing spend. And then we kind of have one or two times a year where we kind of have enough money in our testing budget. We, we're always doing testing where we can take a couple of big swings. This is a little bit bigger than we would take. Normally, we did a couple of things last year, sponsored a couple of big sports events for the season. So we take every year we do a couple of big swings and see how well we're getting. And like we were just describing, we do our best to try to analyze it ahead of time. So it's a big deal, but I think we're taking a big swing here and we've saved, saved up for it. And it's part of the budget. If it doesn't work out, worst case scenario, we have a flat month. We hope, we hope that's a worst case scenario. Interesting. So it's, I like that it's built into your company. You're planning on doing these experiments. That's pretty fun and allows you to try new ideas without sweating yeah. in too terribly much. So that's great. Yeah, I still sweat. Yeah. <laughs> I still sweat it, but <laughs> still sweating. <laughs> nice. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Are you looking for a way to easily track your rental property finances? Check out Stessa. Stessa makes managing real estate investments simple. You can easily keep track of the performance, finances, and the paper trail of your rental properties. Our listeners can get started for free and then upgrade at any time to unlock their more advanced tools. And the even better news is that the upgrade is very affordable and will not break your bank. Smart investors know that tracking the numbers, tracking the money, tracking the finances is what really drives your success. Check out Stessa. It'll make your property finances easier. Just go to escapingwallstreet.com, scroll down to the Stessa logo, and get started for free. Now back to the show. All right, Kelly, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Best investment I ever made, my marriage, my family, best investment. I would be nowhere without having a ferociously awesome partner, my wife, Paula. I invested in her early. She invested in me. She invested in me every day. And that was the best investment. I don't think any, we talk men here at T. Shanley because we're a men's skincare brand, but I think to be a great man, to be a great father, to be a great husband, boyfriend, son. You need to invest in yourself and you need to invest in relationships that are healthy and positive. So that that absolutely is my best investment. Love it. Love it. So we had your best investment. Now we go to the other yeah. side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Yeah, I got a doozy there. I've got 
everybody's heard the saying, like, if anybody says that you got to invest in this, it's going to be you get three years, it's going to be, you know, it's going to get 10x your money, blah, blah, blah. I invested in a, a technology, a biotech company in mid 2000s, significant dollars. All my brother-in-laws and some other people are going into it. It was going to, it was going to pop in three or five years. All the numbers look great. The story looked great. The founder looked great. And it's within two or three years, I'm like, this is horrible. It's just not going to work. It ended up, and there's millions and millions and millions of dollars, not from me personally, but other people had invested in this. And it ended up turning into a lawsuit and that lawsuit's been going on for years and years. So it's just exactly the worst case scenario. So anytime anybody tells you, just come in with a little bit of cash here and we're going to flip this or do this. It's, I just don't think investments work that way. I mean, they just don't most of the time in, in my life. I would agree. Don't get taken in by huge projections and invest in things that you understand. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah, I take the long approach. I think that's that when that, that kind of is a good segue, what we are just talking about, worst investment, taking, taking a long approach, I think is the best, the best advice. Nothing happens quickly. I think like expecting quick results, expecting things to happen right away. It's not, it's a brick by brick philosophy. It's a long haul philosophy. So I think plan for a long grind, long, arduous, gritty, tons of up and downs, really just go for the long haul, make decisions based on what can happen in three to five years, not in three to five months. I love it. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for joining us today. If folks want to learn more about your company, if they want to learn more about you, where can they track you down? Yeah, go. We're, the company's name is Tej Hanley, and we have a great URL, T-I-E-G-E.com. And anybody that's interested in skincare will help you no matter where you are in your journey. We actually do have a great offer for your audience if they go to teach.com backslash backslash passive. Well, we have a 30% off offer. If anybody's interested in skincare, we'd love to hook you up with a great offer to get you started on your journey. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so, so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcasts ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.